Welcome back to the sixth episode of Sustainalytics Sustainable Finance Podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transactions that has hit the market, and cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This 20-minute roundup is the curated shortlist for a download of what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally, and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. This episode is hosted by Nick and Cheryl, who lead the sales effort in Asia-Pacific. Starting off with some good news, the market seems to be back, and this episode is chock full of deals and transactions that has hit the market in the month of June. But first, let's look at some news. So Nick, what are some of the headline numbers coming through for the last quarter? Yeah, thanks, Cheryl. Absolutely. June has been a chock-a-block month full of loans and bonds and all sorts of, uh, all sorts of things happening. Just briefly, a couple of comments related to some new numbers that CBI have brought out, at least for the month of May. We'll provide some updated numbers in the next podcast and certainly a bit of a review about the first half of, uh, of 2020. Uh, but April, if you look back, pretty much um, same level as 2019. May was equivalent to April in 2020. However, about half the size as to what happened or what was transacted in 2019. So it seems the market's kind of stabilised around the green, at least uh, for now, but a bit of a way to go in terms of meeting and matching the, the record volumes we saw uh, last year. But given the amount of conversations and, and positive signs we see across the markets at the moment, we think hopefully uh, third quarter and, and fourth quarter, we'll see all sorts of different types of uh, really uh, noteworthy and interesting uh, issuances. Um, over the month, there's been a lot of articles too about sustainable finance 2.0, about the S still uh, having a more prominent position out of the ESG, um, about green strings, should we say, to green stimulus. Um, and it's almost whatever we record today will be out of date before our listeners hear this because it's a, it's a daily occurrence of different things happening in the US and other markets. But the key message, I think, is uh, lots of governments thinking through how to make COVID recovery expenditure uh, be green uh, as such, and that should stimulate a lot of uh, green investments in many of these uh, markets. That's right. In the EU, green recovery is expected to target buildings, clean power and hydrogen. Under the Commission's proposal, the EU will tender 15 gigawatts of renewable energy capacity before 2023, with expected investments of around 25 billion euros. A 10 billion euro fund administered by the EIB will also offer loans to projects for renewable energy and clean hydrogen, as zero carbon fuel produce. So green hydrogen is seen as very crucial to deliver the Commission's targets to decarbonize the EU economy by 2050. The German government themselves has unveiled plans of their own for a massive Euro 130 billion stimulus package that features at least 40 billion in climate-related spending to boost electric vehicle sales, improve building energy efficiency, enhancing public transport networks, and to develop hydrogen infrastructure. What else do you see outside of Europe, Nick? Yeah, thanks, Cheryl. It's been a busy, busy month outside of Europe uh, as well. But great to see those developments that you've just mentioned happening across the uh, across the EU and, and Eurozone. Um, we've seen some more activity in markets like uh, India, even though India's had a recent sovereign downgrade. Uh, Brazil has been looking to tap the, the market with some solar and also uh, rail types of uh, expenditures and projects, and also Bangladesh. Um, a lot more talk about uh, things happening in uh, in a market like Bangladesh, very big population and interesting uh, an interesting market. So I guess that just shows 
uh, the diversity of activities related to green and sustainable finance happening across the globe, which is really good to, uh, to see. Some of the headlines which I really noted and, and spend a fair bit of time reading all the different things coming out over the, over the month was, it was the ICMA, International Capital Market Association's annual general meeting for green and social bonds um, and everything related uh, to that. So there was a stack of materials released and I'd encourage anyone involved in the space to have a look at, uh, at those. Uh, ICMA's also just updated its website the ICMA Resource Centre, which is a really, really good place to, to look at a lot of documents that are all uh, packed in uh, there for reference. So the Sustainability Link Bond principles were released, which is a fantastic development. The social bond principles were expanded and released. Uh, updated guidance for verifiers was released. The handbook on green and social sustainability bonds that ICMA has, which is a great read. It's got about 50 plus questions in there answered. They added more questions to that, so really good um, reference materials there. The guidance around uh, impact uh, metrics was also expanded to include uh, biodiversity. That's another great reference. The SDG mapping to certain green categories was updated. Um, and also ICMA provided an update on their transition climate finance working group, which fits a lot uh, and pretty well with our transition approach as well. So that was really good to see those uh, developments over the, uh, over the month. The other thing to, uh, to note, uh, CBI, our friends at CBI have uh, done a, and continue to do a phenomenal job of releasing reports, podcasts, webinars, and a whole host of different themes and key, uh, key markets. And a, a very good read that was released over the month was the China bond market update. So we'll just go through a couple of snapshots in, uh, in relation to that. But also there's a lot happening in China in relation to uh, harmonizing uh, standards more with looking at what's happening in the EU, the regulators having maybe one uh, catalogue, which they've uh, done now in terms of taxonomies rather than too many different versions uh, in China. So lots of really good harmonisation uh, activities and simplification activities in China, which is great to, to, uh, to see. In terms of the report, just a couple of things to note. So the total amount of, of Chinese green bonds, both domestic and international, is about $55 billion for the year which is a phenomenal number, really. Uh, and that's about a 33% growth for 2019. China pretty much still remains to be number one or within the top three of uh, green bond issuers uh, as a country, depending on how you uh, measure that. But it's certainly a force to be reckoned with in that regard. One of the really positive things I noted from the report was the increase in the non-financial corporates uh, and about 54% increase in that space. So traditionally, China's had a lot of banks uh, issuing and now that diversification into corporates is uh, is really great to see and another point which i think is really noteworthy is approximately 88 percent of the green bonds in china which is about 124 billion odd are coming up for refinancing in the next five years so i think china will continue to be a real heavy weight uh, in this space and great to see a lot of initiatives that are going to support the market development uh going uh, going forward Yep, that's it for this month's news. As mentioned, there's plenty of deals launched in this market this month. So let's jump right in. Nick, can you start off with some interesting green bonds you've seen priced in June? Yeah, I certainly, I certainly can, Cheryl. It's a bit of a, a tricky one this month to work out where to actually start, but let's whip through these and we'll rattle off that as best we, uh, we can. In terms of some sovereigns, uh, there was a debut placement from the Hungarian government of uh, 1.5 million, which was good to, uh, good to see and more sovereigns, obviously 
uh, catalyze more of those markets in terms of where they're uh, where they're issued. Uh, you mentioned uh, lots of things happening in uh, in Germany before, which was good to uh, see. The Swedish National Debt Office is uh, is planning an issuance, uh, which has lots of pretty interesting projects that they're planning to finance. If we then look at banks being uh, a pretty common type of uh, issuer in the space, uh, M Bank issued over the month. Deutsche Bank issued their first green bond. Good to see. Um, State Bank of uh, of India is planning another issuance uh, into more social use proceeds. Again, good to see. The Middle East, uh, FAB had a issuance. The Central American Bank for Economic Integration had an issuance. Islamic Development Bank uh, also had some issuance. So a real mixture there of commercial banks and some of the uh, development banks. And another interesting one we saw in Sri Lanka, which was the Pan-Asia Bank, uh, Symbiotics uh, has invested in a bond. And Symbiotics are a microfinance investment vehicle in a uh, placement or a bond issued by uh, Pan-Asia for funding into micro and SME uh, lending in that market. If we look at renewables, again, another mainstay of the market, um, Audax, um, a wind farm, uh, developer and provider in, in Spain did another issuance, Eurogrid planning on another issuance. Uh, also on the property side, a couple of things, Sustainalytics worked with Granite REIT and provided one of our second party opinions for um, for that transaction. Um, There's some interesting news, a mining company called Levent did about a 225 million US transaction. It's a lithium producer. So I guess some of um, of the way they're producing uh, lithium and that going into some green projects. And a pretty interesting one that I'd encourage our listeners to have a, a bit of a dig around uh, into there. Uh, also Daimler, uh, Daimler Chrysler did a, uh, did a bond. So more happening in the auto space, which is good to see following what Toyota and other uh, manufacturers have done earlier in, uh, in the year and, uh, and last year. Kim Cardine, which is a bit tricky to, uh, to say, was um, one of the first 50 megawatt floating offshore wind projects off the coast of Aberdeen in sunny Scotland done over the month that also received climate bond uh, certification. Uh, another seafood company went to market. Uh, that's called uh, Grieg uh, Seafood, I guess following on from Maui, which is another seafood company in the, in the Nordics uh, having issued earlier in the year. Um, and to finish off, Exlem, uh, a water specialization uh, company did a green bond for a billion following on their sustainability link loan, which Sustainalytics helped them out with last year. And also the university segment, we saw an issuance from the University of Colorado following on from uh, the National University of Singapore uh, early in the year doing a um, doing an issuance there. Um, so good to see the diversification going on on the bond side. And what about the loan market, Cheryl? It's been a, a bumper month for uh, for green loans as well. What have you noted in that part? Indeed, this month's green loans are dominated predominantly by renewables and property. Singapore continues to be very active in green loans led by property developers. Fraser's signed an SGD $350 million loan to finance an executive condominium. This is the 10th green financing initiative by Fraser's property, and the group has raised around uh, Singapore dollars $4 billion in green financing to date. Soilbuilt signed as SGD $80 million uh, loan to refinance its Solaris at One North Building, and Sustainalytics worked on them on their SPO last year, and it's great to see them active again. Also in Singapore, Cleantech Solar has signed a $75 million green loan with ING for the, the largest Asian green facility for commercial and industrial rooftop solar projects. 
Over in the UK, this is an interesting one. National Grid signed a 743 million green loan to fund the construction of a subsea electricity cable connecting Denmark and the UK. The 1,400 megawatt Viking Link cable is a joint project between National Grid and Danish Pure Energinet. Will supply renewable energy to 1.4 million households and is due to be completed in 2023. Lots of notable firsts for this transaction, such as the first multi-ECA covered green loan, and it's a definitely a milestone project to support the, Ita the European transition to green energy. Italian agency SACE Export Credit and German peer Euler Hermes Export Credit were part of this transaction. National Grid, which owns electricity and gas infrastructure in the UK and the US, said that by 2030, 90% of its imported electricity into the UK will be from zero carbon sources. It's great to see that utility names having such ambitious targets in CapEx and ECAs and banks supporting this financing. Over in Spain, Cubicle Sustainable Investments refinanced their 50 megawatt Arelis concentrated solar power project in Sevilla, Spain. Cubico had acquired Arelis in February 2020, a total amount of Euro 247 million non-reforced long-term project finance debt was raised to refinance this acquisition. Um, lastly, one green shipping loan, which may be in uh, maybe more transition in our view, was done for Van Ord to finance three LNG fuel trailing suction hopper dredgers, which are currently being built by Keppel in Singapore. But over to you, Nick. What have you seen in the sustainability-linked loan space? So sustainability-linked loans have also uh, shown a lot of activity over the uh, over the month. There's been a couple of agri deals, uh, one for Agro Corp in Singapore and also Olam. OLAM's done quite a, a number of different structures on the sustainability link side, so great to see them coming to market again. Oman Shipping, there's a 35 million sustainability link loan, so shipping, again, continues to be a theme around these SLL instruments. Uh, linked Real Estate, pardon the pun, doing a sustainability link loan is good to see in property, again, the mainstay of many different elements of sustainable finance. Uh, Gunvor is a commodities trader. Uh, and they also did another loan on the back of a sustainability link loan they did the previous year. Um, Keppel Energy, which is a gas-fired power plant in Singapore, did a sustainability link loan. So that's a, a noteworthy one. And also Bangladesh, as we mentioned uh, before, actually HSBC has supported Square Group in, uh, in Bangladesh due to the first sustainability link loan in that market. So really good to see a diversification of sectors and structures, which will hopefully see diversify uh, the market going forward. In terms of social bonds, again, social has been very active, um, Cheryl, given COVID themes and, and other things happening in the market. What's, um, what's caught your eye over the month for social bonds? That's right. COVID-19 bonds continue to lead the theme for social bond issuances. Credit Mutual Arkea issued a Euro 750 million senior non-preferred bond. The deal was issued under Arkea's existing framework. And Arkea says that they intend to allocate a large portion to supporting sectors affected by the pandemic, such as the healthcare sector and SMEs. An interesting one in the US, Ford Foundation to issue USD 1 billion in social bonds in response to COVID-19. This is interesting because it's a foundation issuing a bond and the proceeds of the foundation's social bonds will fund special allocation grants, which will be over and above the foundation's normal grants, which will be directed at building resiliency in the nonprofit sector. The target population for the special allocation grants will primarily be existing and prospective grantees in the MPO sector that are largely dependent on philanthropic funding and thus are particularly vulnerable to funding drying up as a result of the wider economic 
slowdown caused by COVID-19. In Korea, the Industrial Bank of Korea has issued a five-year social bond worth USD 500 million on June 16. The state-run bank will use proceeds from the issuance to support small and mid-sized businesses facing disruptions from the impact of coronavirus. So it's great to see more coming from Korea after Kukmin Bank's USD 500 million COVID-19 response bond priced in April. In the transition space, anything noteworthy, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. So transition again continues to, to heat up so to speak. So I've had a very positive response to Sustainalytics launching of our um, transition bond and loan second party opinion offering uh, and lots of different and interesting conversations happening around uh, around our region in relation to that. Um, over the month, um, DBS released a transition framework document, which I'd encourage our listeners to have a look at um, and just think through what's really green in that document and what may be a transition. So another uh, useful reference point for uh, for the market there. Um, CLP or Castle Peak, which is a gas-fired uh, power plant in Hong Kong, received a bit of criticism for a, I guess it wasn't labelled technically transition, but climate action bond. And there's a lot of ongoing debate about whether gas is the right interim uh, transition fuel. And if these, some of these power plants are supported without unabated gas, uh, whether that's too much of a lock-in at high emission levels for a quite a long period, given the uh, the huge investments uh, required there. Some talk from the mining sector about different ways that they can get involved in in, in transition and look at what they're doing. So let's uh, let's keep an eye on that space. And also, probably almost a daily occurrence now is an article on hydrogen and that being seen as a as a possible uh, future. Uh, really good fuel for help uh, decarbonize a lot of the heavy heavier uh, emitting. Uh, sectors, obviously, depending on how hydrogen is uh, is actually produced. Uh, the final one to mention in relation to transition was what Sanam uh, issued a a new framework or transition framework after they did a climate action bond last year. Uh, they have a lot of gas infrastructure and have been doing some retrofits uh, on uh, on that infrastructure and have issued that uh, transition bond uh, under their new framework this year. So, really good um, uh, reference to look at uh, to look at there. And in the labeled and sustainable product space, anything interesting to note, Nick? Yeah, probably not as much activity as some of the other areas. I think the, the folks at the banks have been buried in transactions over the uh, over the month, uh, Cheryl. But um, a couple of things that I noted, more and more articles about uh, green mortgages and, and the possibility, I guess, those will be securitized and packaged in different ways uh, going forward with some new products being really pushed by by some of the banks. A couple of articles are blue bonds, um, which are essentially green bonds, but focused on maritime type of activities uh, and projects. And also quite a noteworthy one that Deutsche Bank was involved in structuring was a first FX for something um, for a derivative, which was related to some ESG, uh, ESG targets. So I think we'll see that as a trend going forward, the banks looking to label these products, which you could say are enablers of, of some of the other loans and the risk management tools uh, connected to some of those loans and, uh, and bonds. And the regulatory space continues to be active, shall we say, Cheryl, over the month. What have you noticed in relation to the regulatory environment and any new announcements that are noteworthy? 
That's right. Starting closer to home in Asia, HKEX announced that they will be launching the Sustainable and Green Exchange stage later this year. HKEX has joined NASDAQ in a very exclusive club of global exchanges that have their own online platforms for promoting sustainable investments, particularly green bonds. So stage is looking to include the 44 green bonds and two exchange-traded funds that are already listed on the HKEX to be the core members of the platform. Stage hopes to eventually expand beyond sustainable bonds to include sustainability-linked equities, derivatives, loans, and asset-backed securities. Over in Singapore, the MAS launched for public consultation green finance guidelines, three consultation papers on environmental risk management for banks, insurers, and asset managers. These papers are out for public consultation on MAS website, and comments can be proposed uh, on these guidelines by August 7th. What else have you seen, Nick? Yeah, so never never a dull day in relation to uh, regulatory development. So I've also seen an article or another public consultation actually for uh, the UNDP uh, has released proposed standards for SDG bond issuers and how those can be used also in the private equity uh, equity space. So um, let's see how the consultation goes on that and whether that becomes another um, standard or document to inform how some of those SDG-related bonds are, are structured and transacted uh, going forward. The EU taxonomy, which we which we like, um, and great to see further developments, continues to progress through the uh, the legislation system in the EU, which is which is good to see. Also, the GBS or the green the green bond standard for the EU has continued to to progress through its processes as as well. And something interesting that I that I saw. For the EU was a bit of a push for banks to list their green assets um, or green loans in some kind of database to maybe get a bit more, uh, a bit more structure and a bit more transparency around that. So uh, quite a um, quite a noteworthy development there. We'll see if that gains any uh, any traction. So uh, yeah, plenty happening on the regulatory space uh, over the uh, over the month. Thanks, Nick. All right, folks, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Links to articles and reports mentioned in this episode can be found on our website. Do also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter and send any questions or feedback our way. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time.